Hello and welcome to the Week 10 Football Outsiders NFL Recap Show. Welcome back after a couple weeks off. Uh, I'm your host, Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. And back with me, as he was every week up until uh, the last couple weeks, is Mike Tenier, Senior Analyst at Football Outsiders. Hard to believe, Mike, we're just 10 days away from Thanksgiving, but here we are. We're here, and we retooled the show a little bit. We added more fleece uh, to it. We were wearing matching fleeces. Like a before and after picture here, or, or like an age regression software. This is what you're going to look like in 30, 50, 70 years. Be very, very afraid. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm distracted. Is that all Kentucky whiskey and bourbon behind you right now? I am getting thirsty just looking at your background. It is. Yeah, it's mostly bourbon. That's mostly the stuff that I haven't opened yet and probably will hang on to uh, for special occasions and stuff and then got some scotch in there. I'm uh, more of a scotch guy than an Irish whiskey, even with the uh, the Irish last name. But uh, a lot of bourbon here in this house. You got through all that Packers losing streak and never broke into any of that. <laughs> no, I've got my other stuff. Is uh, These are for good times, which hopefully we'll have some good times coming here now. Uh, good. With, drink, with when you're drink when you're happy, eat when you're sad. Good call. Absolutely. Yeah, but it is Monday, which means we've got another weekend of NFL action in the books. And boy, was there some good action yesterday. And before we jump into the recapping, just want to remind you all out there that you could have access to all of our stats and data today if you have an FO Plus subscription instead of having to wait till tomorrow. Now, with FO Plus, you get the DVOA ahead of time. DVOA is utilized and can move markets and oftentimes does the people that utilize DVOA. So you can take advantage of those market inefficiencies early. Also, if you're a media professional or aspiring media professional, it's very helpful to get access to that stuff on Monday morning and all the other stats a day before those non-FO Plus members uh, get out ahead of the pack. You also get access to premium stats, articles, fantasy rankings, betting picks, the things you can't get without an FO Plus subscription. And then speaking of fantasy, maybe some of you out there, your season-long fantasy teams are floundering at this point. We're through 10 weeks. We'll play on Underdog Fantasy with us on double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is really fun. It's a fast six-round weekly draft with easier chances to win than those traditional daily fantasy sites. You can even win fifty grand if you grab first place. Now, I know that really is nothing compared to that big lottery we had last week, over $2 billion, but fifty grand is still a pretty good payday. You can also try their Pick'em Games, which is basically uh, parlaying prop bets. You're choosing players to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, and that is available even where traditional prop betting is currently not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Now, I mentioned there was some big action this week. Starting with, uh, this was the big game in the afternoon, uh, Vikings at Bills. Buffalo had a 98.6% postgame win expectancy. It's a football outsider stat there and ended up losing this game. There's really a lot to talk about from this game. Mike, what did you think overall? Did you have your eyes on this one? But 98.6 win probability for the Bills. Sounds normal, 98.6. Very abnormal, of course. Yep. So 100 times we replay that game, 98 wins for the Bills. And I'm going to tell you, I was at the Tavern, as I often am, for the early games, and then I have to run home to start writing. Well, I had my laptop, and like on fourth and 13, I'm going like this with my laptop. And then I see a catch for the generations. I, whoop, laptop yeah. opens back up. Fourth and inches, the stop of Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Laptop actually goes in the bag, and I am pulling <laughs> away, and I hear fumble, and I have to turn around and go back. So, like, I was sort of waylaid several times. Been a long time since I've seen a game quite that. Mm -hmm. uh, exciting and unlikely 
How about you? Absolutely. Like you said, kind of thinking it's over a couple times reminds me of the Kentucky game on Saturday against Vanderbilt. Unfortunately, a very embarrassing loss, but there's a writer in the area that had tweeted out like, all right, time to change my story for this game for the 26th <laughs> time because it just went back and forth. But on that fumble too, I originally watching the play thought it was a safety. I didn't hear him say fumble or see it at the time. And right. That would have been better, and turns out there was a big question of whether they should have taken the intentional safety. So looking at our win probability, Buffalo was at 97.9% prior to that play. Mm-hmm. On a kickoff after an intentional safety from their own 20-yard line, Buffalo obviously drops. It's a two-point game now instead of four. They're yeah. still around 55% chance to win. Now, Minnesota's mm-hmm. got one timeout, only needs a field goal to win, about 45 yeah. seconds left. That's quite a bit of time, especially when you're kicking off from the 20. Minnesota's right. going to get a lot better field position than they would on a regular kickoff. But as we know, they dropped to 16.3% after recovering the fumble in the end zone. It was the most impactful play of the week in terms of win probability. <laughs> but again, how often does a sneak fail? And that's it. Right. one out of 50, one out of 100, one out of 500. Like, you hardly ever see that happen. Right. And it's hard to be like, oh, I'll get the intentional safety. Or you want your every instinct is get ball, get ball. And mm-hmm. you're going to try and get forward on the ball. And you know, and you go, you don't get it. And also, don't forget on the safety punt return. Yeah, the Vikings have good odds. But Jalen Rieger is their punt returner. Anything could happen, so that could have been an advantage for the Bills. We'll get we'll get the bad punt returners in a moment because the Packers are coming. But. Yeah, the, the Packers know something about that. Uh, one, <laughs> one more thing I'll talk as you mentioned the catch, Justin Jefferson, just an amazing day. Uh, arguably the best receiver in the league right now. Him, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Tyreek Hills up there. Cooper Cup has the unfortunate injury, which we'll get to as well. But those three guys kind of cream of the crop right now. But for Buffalo. Are you worried about Josh Allen at all? He's now got four red zone interceptions this season, and the Bills in their last three games have 62 first-half points, only 12 second-half points in their last three games. Unbelievable. Let me run some numbers for you. This is coming into an article that's going to be on Football Outsiders in a moment, Mm -hmm. and I have misplaced the stats. But his fourth-quarter statistics are also a major problem. And what's happening too often for Josh Allen is, He's playing as if the Bills are down two scores mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, throwing the ball deep, taking unnecessary risks, and they're up two scores. And that's what's yeah. most frustrating uh, about watching this team right now. Um, give me one second. Yeah, and no, I think you, you pointed that out in the Green Bay game. I think it was you that tweeted, like, the Bills are throwing the ball deep, look like desperation, Green Bay's running out the clock, and Green Bay's the team that was down. Right, right. Here's the stats. Fourth quarter, Josh Allen, 40 of 72. That's only 55.6% completion. That's really low. 572 yards, two touchdowns, three fourth quarter interceptions, seven sacks. And meanwhile, the Bills only rush 66 times for 207 yards in the fourth quarter. So they're passing far more than they're running in the fourth quarter, protecting leads. Yeah. So I'm worried a little about Josh Allen. I'm worried about their team-wide effort of playing hero ball late in these games that they should be saying, let's turtle up a little bit. Let's secure this victory. Yeah, and Bills, obviously, as we know, have been the Super Bowl favorites all year. They've been all the talk. But as we know, and we talk about all the time, a lot of time the team that wins the Super Bowl isn't that team everyone expected to. Super Bowl team, teams that win the Super Bowl oftentimes do have rough stretches in the season. I mean, it's a long season. It's 17 games, 18 weeks. Like, things are going to happen. Minnesota, though, like, it it can't all be on the negative for Buffalo. Minnesota, we know, is a very good team. They've gotten a little bit of lucky, a little bit lucky at times. But they're a good team. Uh, the Jets have a very good defense uh, last week, you know, beating them. It's not like they're losing to these slouch teams, same though, you know, the Miami game, 
But yeah, you kind of yeah. expect a little bit. They don't look the part that we all kind of expected in the way they looked early in the year. Right. And DVOA still has them number one. DVOA is reminding mm-hmm. us recency bias is very powerful. Like the most recent things that happen, that's what we react to. And also these very dramatic fourth quarter losses. And we start coming away with this, man, the Bills have problems. The Bills have problems. The Bills do have problems, but they're very correctable, correctable problems. They still have incredible strengths. And they're still, until proven otherwise, the team to beat or one of the teams to beat in the NF- in the AFC. Absolutely. And still still going to be there. Just got to get some things some things worked out there. Moving on to the other game ended up being an awesome game, the Cowboys and Packers. Uh, Green Bay came into this game 7-1 and against Dallas since 2010, 2-0 in the playoffs, uh, including the game, uh, the Des Bryant catch game, and then the one in, uh, was it 2016, I believe, when they, they uh, shocked them down in Dallas. But this really is known now, I guess, as the Christian Watson breakout game, a huge game from him. Uh, three touchdowns from the rookie that has had some struggles. But you mentioned it earlier, another big thing from this one that almost doomed them to special teams. Hunt yeah. return, get, get an 11-yard return, and then to fumble to Mario Rodgers, a guy who has had a ton of trouble on yes. that punt return team kickoffs. Uh, almost drowned him again, but they came back and uh, were able to, to pull out the win. And really, we would be talking about Aaron Rodgers yelling at Matt LaFleur on the sideline, I think, of Green Bay. We'd talk about it a lot more if Green Bay had lost this game. Right, right. And, and it's good to see Watson. I, how comfortable are you with Watson moving forward? I, a little bit of that was he was being covered by some six-round rookie. Well, he was not covered by Diggs for most of that game. But at the same time, it was encouraging to see somebody take on that role because Dobbs has been in and out of that. Dobbs has been very drop-happy. Watson was the guy who was supposed to do it, and it's nice to see that. Yeah, definitely love to see it. And he had the drop early in the game, but you know they, yeah. they stuck with him, and he ended up leading the team in targets. So a really good game. The other big story from this game is Mike McCarthy, his fourth down decision. So we yes. know it's been a lot of the talk this morning. I've seen a lot of people agreeing with the decision, and we do too. Uh, at least our model does. Uh, opening drive of overtime, 621 left uh, in that 10-minute period. Fourth and three at the Green Bay 35, chooses to go for it instead of kicking a field goal. Now on the Sunday night broadcast, I think it was Tony Dungy, said yeah. that he would have punted the ball there. Like with, with the value of a touchdown ending the game, like it's field goal or touchdown there. What did you make of that decision? I, I would have gone for the field goal attempt. Mm-hmm in that situation. Um, and part of it is I, I do sort of bake into it, the Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore play calling mm-hmm. and how they some they, they, they don't have a good habit of dialing up the right play. That's part of it. I think sometimes I, I love our models on fourth and one, fourth and inches at the goal mm-hmm. line. Sometimes we get to those fourth and two, fourth and three situations. I, I think we might be a little over optimistic with yeah. them. Uh, that said, you execute in that, in that uh, situation, you do get the first down and you probably seal the game. Cowboys failed to execute there. But the punt, by the way, is hysterical. It's just a hysterical thing to think <laughs> about because you're probably netting 20 yards of offense in addition, uh, field position in addition to everything else. So that's off the table. Probably would have attempted the field goal. I see the other side of it, though, because look at the field position that mm-hmm. Packers get if they if you miss that field goal. Yep. It would have been, what, 52-yarder? 53. I think they're at the 35, so 52-53. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not a, it's not a gimme. It's not an easy call either. Yeah, you missed the field goal. Green Bay's already yeah. seven, eight yards from midfield, and the way they were moving the ball as well. Uh, I agree with. I think the decision is good. I probably, in the moment, um, I wanted them to kick the field. I'm like, kick the field goal, let us go down at least, you know, tie it or right. or uh, take the lead because they've been playing so well in that late in the game. But looking at it, I kind of ran some of the numbers. Looking at the risk reward, they had convert have to convert that at a thirty five around thirty five and a half percent rate. 
fourth mm-hmm. and three for Dallas, uh, you know, it seems like they would probably convert that more often than 35%. Um, but it, it's still probably pretty close there. Um, it, again, I guess just kind of proving the point, it could really go either way. You can't, and you mentioned the, the play calling. It seems McCarthy has been very good, especially in our coach rankings over the last few years. He's been aggressive and made a lot yeah. of these, he's gotten criticized because their play right. calls aren't always the best. Right, right. It's a weird call. It's like, oh, yeah, go for it. That's a good idea. Here comes this loopy thing that we're doing. Yep. Uh, like, you're not moving the pocket, for example, on that game. That's a simple thing I would have tried to do, move the pocket when, when you're trying to get that three yards there. But, you know, for the Cowboys, it comes down to not necessarily what you do fourth and three in overtime, but the fact that, what, it was 28-14 at one point? Yep. Yeah, four, and they were actually – they were up 14 in the fourth quarter, and they were 195 all time when leading about 14 or more in the fourth quarter till yesterday. Unbelievable. Seal off that victory. You're supposed to have a good offensive line, good running game, outstanding defense that can get pass rush. Cover the rookie. Cover the rookie. If that, if that rookie who, who was bland, who was covering him was the weak link, keep your safety over there. It's not rocket science. You can seal that win easily. Cowboys failed to do it. Yeah, Cowboys lost it. Packers won it. A little bit of both there. Takes us into the obvious question that everyone is asking now. Can the Packers still make a playoff run? They're ninth in the NFC. They're behind Washington, who has the tiebreaker over them because of that win a couple weeks ago. (laughs) They need the Giants, the Cowboys, and San Francisco to falter a bit. They're 3-2 and one wins back, respectively, of those three. We know now they have a tiebreaker over Dallas. They don't play San Francisco this year, but they don't have a tiebreaker over the Giants. So, are you in on the Packers? Does this kind of bring you back onto to the, the bandwagon believing they can make it, or are we still off of the Packers? I am still off of the Packers. I was trying to be sanguine about it. I'm trying to pull up our numbers right now. Football outsiders, 18% chance of uh, reaching the playoffs. That's that's reasonable. But all the tiebreakers you say are a problem. Sometimes I, I rely on Brian Knowles. He's kind of our tiebreaker expert here at Football Outsiders to get it all down. But I'm always looking at that future schedule, and I see Titans-Eagles right mm-hmm. off the bat, 1-2. There's a ch- very good chance of 0-2 taking you down yep. to 4-8 and eight there. Now, let's say you take a win either way. Maybe the Eagles are overrated. We know who the Titans are. They want to they beat you 6-3, to three, mm-hmm. and they somehow manage to do it, but they don't match. Even a split, you're down at 7 wins. The top is pulling away, and all that middle tier, you're stuck in that situation where, yeah, the commanders have not been eliminated. Tom Brady seems to be showing signs of life. Teams like the Seahawks are there. I'm not ready to buy back into it yet. It is encouraging, however, to see however to see young players, not just uh, not just Watson, Rudy Ford getting a couple yeah. of picks from the other side of the ball because this team has to find a path forward if this turns out to be a lost season. Yeah, and the defense hasn't been great, and it's it, they're they're banged up. Rashawn Gary's out for the year. Eric Stokes wasn't having a great year coming off a really good rookie year, but he's most yeah. likely out for the year. Only 17th in DVOA though. Like they've been decent. They haven't been great. They haven't been terrible. It seems like, but you mentioned that schedule, like the Titans, the Eagles on Thanksgiving weekend. They're at the Bears, then they have their bye. Then they've got the Rams on Monday Night Football at Miami on Christmas Day, and then the Vikings and Lions at home. So looking at that, I mean, they could and or maybe should. Like you said, they I guess they could beat Tennessee, Chicago, the Rams, and Detroit. But still, that puts them at eight wins, eight and nine. As you said, some of these teams kind of pulling away. The Buccaneers getting better. They maybe steal a win against Miami, Minnesota, counting them out against the Dallas. Uh, maybe they they come out, play well, and beat Philadelphia. But it's going to be a tough road. I, I agree with you. I'm not sure that I would would uh, expect them or say, yes, they're going to make the playoff run. They can. Uh, they just got to put together a game like they, I guess, kind of did in the second. Even the first half, they looked decent. It was 14-14 at halftime. 
Right, right. They got a couple of interceptions early on, and that helped them get the game under control. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you look at it. Okay, you get a win out of Titans-Eagles and a yep. loss, and you get a win and a loss out of Vikings-Dolphins. You're at eight. You're at eight mm -hmm. losses right there. You're at critical. You have to run the table the rest of the way, nine and eight. And that's probably your second or third wild card. It's it's possibly it. That's kind of the road right now. All the while worrying that you're going to get a head-to-head -head loss because because of what happened against Washington or something like that. It's a very tough road. Patrick Sealy says, crown the Bills. You misspelled Eagles, Patrick. Crown the Eagles. We're going to crown the Eagles tonight, but we're going to do that game in a moment or two. Yeah, Eagles go up tonight against Washington. And just one last thing on, on Green Bay, too. Um, the offense is looking good, too, or they're back in the top 10. They had the third best DVOA this week. So, again, that's just one thing that they will have to keep it going and build. And that's something that I, I had and kind of came off of it, I guess. But in our staff predictions at the beginning of the year, had Green Bay I kind of went with the homer pick. Everyone else, you know, a lot of people picking Bills. Some of our people, you know, went the different way. But went Packers and was thinking they've got that late buy in week 14. Mm -hmm. Just and I've mentioned this a couple of times on shows, just like the Buccaneers did in Tom Brady's first year, they struggled. They had the week 13 bye, which was the last bye week at that point. They came out of the bye week and everything kind of clicked mm -hmm. and they went on to, to make a run and win the Super Bowl. Green Bay, I think, is a little bit further behind this year than the Bucs were uh, back <laughs> yeah. in 2020. But with that offense uh, getting jumping back into the top 10, uh, maybe things do click and they've got Watson. Uh, Alan Lazard is back healthy the last couple of weeks. Romeo Dobbs will be back hopefully in a few weeks. The run game's been been pretty good. So they ran the ball. Yeah, they run the ball a lot. <laughs> they ran the ball a lot. They didn't just do a bunch of RPO uh, flat passes. They ran the ball and they had success yeah. doing it. And they look good. So only time will tell. Uh, they could lose that game at the Bears. The way Chicago's been playing a lot better, although they blew one yesterday against the Lions, and they already lost to the Lions, so they could lose to them again. But big question, at least a little bit more optimistic than we were at this point last week on Green Bay. So. Moving into the last uh, big news topic, I guess that I mentioned at the top, the Cooper Cup injury fall. A very unfortunate injury on a bad high pass from John Wolford. A lot of people saying, hey, Stafford plays this game. Cooper Cup probably doesn't get hurt. He doesn't th – that play, you never know. Things happen. Right. But I've also seen a lot of Rams fans on social media calling for L.A. to shut down Cup. Maybe Stafford because their season's lost. They're sitting at 13th in the NFC a year after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, what are your thoughts maybe on the Rams in general and Cooper Cup? It sounds like he he really avoided the worst-case scenario of a, a, a fracture or a, a very high ankle sprain, but still it seems like he's expected to miss a couple weeks. It sounds like he's going to miss a couple weeks, and that's probably the knockout blow for this Rams mm -hmm. team right now. I don't know about shutting people down and everything like that. That that that, that can be, oh, yeah, everybody tank forever because we don't win the Super Bowl. That doesn't really work. They do have to come up with a strategy moving forward besides Cooper Cup is going to be everything mm -hmm. to our offense because they're risking this. And, yes, I, I did just try to check for an update, remembering that it's three hours earlier on the West Coast. We're not going to get any updates for several hours about Cup. I think he's probably going to miss two, three, four weeks with what's going to turn out to be some kind of ankle sprain. That's, again, good news. Not good news for people who have Cup in fantasy, however. I'm one of those people. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Cup, so it's it's rough. I'm I'm pretty good at wide receiver. I've got AJ Brown. Actually, just traded for CD Lamb on Friday night, so that was a big okay. one. He had a huge game against Green Bay, so that was a, a little positive. While Green Bay was down 14 points, was we're gonna lose at least CD Lamb's putting up 40 points in fantasy. But yeah, really tough for fantasy managers. Uh, again, indications he won't be out for the year. Could miss a few weeks and maybe be back just in time for the fantasy playoffs or that those last week or two, week 14, 13, 14 to push into the playoffs and get there. 
Um, but he's down now to plus 5,000 for Offensive Player of the Year. I think he was around uh, plus 1,200 last week. He was around 1,200 last week. I don't know if you have the market in front of you. It sounds like – I'm guessing it's still Tyreek and now Jefferson fighting for the top of that. Yeah, Although I don't have it up in front of me currently, but earlier Tyreek Hill was up there, uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, some of the quarterbacks, I guess it's usually not a quarterback because the quarterback wins the MVP. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Jefferson just jumped up to plus 250. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction, mm-hmm. trying to get some money moving. Tyreek Hill at plus 400. Love that value yeah. right now. It was at plus 330 last week when uh, uh, Aaron and I were tweeting about it and uh, mysteriously moved to plus 300. Now it's back up to plus 400. Love that value, folks. Yeah, Tyreek Hill had a little bit of a, a, a down game, I guess, if you will, by his yeah. his standards. Five for 44 and a touchdown uh, right. for fantasy. That's still really good. Uh, not yeah. the, the 150 yards we're used to from Tyreek Hill every week, it seems like. Right. Think long term. And by the way, I just noticed the Rams play the Saints next week. So they could be without Cooper Cup for the Saints. I don't know what Stafford's situation is. The Saints are a complete mess. If yeah. the Rams lose that game, my goodness. First of all, unwatchable game. Yes. <laughs> so, secondly, how do they proceed from there? Yeah. And speaking of fantasy, maybe that's a game where we get Taysom Hill at quarterback, which is yes. a huge advantage if you've got him as a tight end, which I've kind of been hanging on to him, hoping that, that they he's been very underutilized the last couple of weeks as yeah. they've been down. But uh, maybe they, they say, hey, let's give him a shot at quarterback. See what happens. I mean, yeah, it's it, been it rough was, for them. It was 10 to 10 for much of that game. And they had mm-hmm. nothing else going offensively. I kept looking over like, Let's get some Taysom nonsense here, and they and they weren't doing it. There, there. I think there's some kind of backroom intrigue going on here with the whole Jameis, Andy Dalton, Allen, the coach, and everything. And I think there might be some reasons we're not seeing the Taysom experience right now. Yeah, and next week you mentioned a chance, a game that's not going to be fun to watch. I would imagine Stafford's back because he was in concussion protocol. Start yeah. on like Tuesday. They said yeah. he was going to be a game time decision. He should be back. Uh, but neither one of those teams really looking like they're going to make it to the playoffs. But speaking of the playoffs, we're going to talk about our favorite playoff prop bets. So, Mike, I'll let you lead us off and see who you like so far at this point, just over halfway through the year. Well, I tend to be a Seahawks skeptic. Okay. okay. I'm a little bit of a Geno Smith skeptic compared to everybody else. Had a little bit of a, a course correction game last uh, uh, yesterday morning uh, where he, he most of his heroics came late. That said, last check, Seahawks to win the NFC West we're at plus 250. I was not blown away by what I saw from the 49ers yesterday either. Defense looks strong, kind of played with an injury beaten up Chargers team. Football Outsiders has a 53.7% chance that the Seahawks win the NFC West. Okay. The impl- implicit probability for a plus 250 is 40.1. So we have them at better odds than the house has right now. I like it. Oh, by the way, you have to pull up their schedule over the next couple of weeks. So the Seahawks are on bye next week as they fly back from Munich. But after that, they get Raiders, W. Rams, probably W. Panthers, W. The road to nine wins as we get into early December is pretty high. Schedule gets tougher after that, but that could put the team in pole position to win that division. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of a, a Seahawks skeptic. I was uh, talking to a friend uh, we're talking about, you know, Gino for fantasy talking trades and stuff. I'm like, I just, and I mentioned it Tom Stracken last week on our fantasy show or two weeks ago. I was like, I keep waiting for the Seahawks to fall off because yeah. no one expected them to be this good. The projections didn't, uh, it could be that they have just a really good year. Like uh case Keenum and the Vikings that year, kind of yeah. no one expected that. And they, 
make it through the year and then aren't good, you know, next year or fall off a little bit or kind of regress. Right. But it hasn't happened. I'm going over to the AFC. I'm going to hop on the bandwagon and, and was looking this morning. The Dolphins to win the AFC East are plus 250 on DraftKings. That's a 28.6% implied probability. We yeah. have Miami 27.4, so a little bit less. But, I mean, suddenly they're in first place. The Bills are in third. They're 0-2 in the division. Uh, the, the Miami Dolphins had the top overall DVOA this week. That offense just keeps on humming along. They're number two in DVOA. They had the top offensive performance last week, second best this week. The defense even moved up four spots after that win against Cleveland. Still only 23rd, but they had the fifth best performance this week. And that trade for Bradley Chubb, I think, is just going to help more. Uh, had a half a sack and tied the team lead with three QB hits. But they are still missing some dudes on that defense. Emmanuel Ogba is now out for the year with a, a torn triceps yesterday. Already lost Nick Needham, Brandon Jones to season-ending injuries. No idea when Byron Jones is going to be back. Um, yeah. But that offense, like they – they can win the division with that offense the way they're, they're playing right now. And I, I like that one. Uh, again, at plus 250, the Bills were still at like minus 180 this morning, I think, which isn't a surprise. Like we said at the top, like they're still the favorites in just about everything, even uh, even with the the recent kind of slow stretch. But I think the Dolphins uh, have, a, have a really good shot the way they're, they've been playing. Yeah, and they have a win in their back pocket against the Bills, so they're already in a place where they can get the tiebreakers out. I was eyeing that one up. I wanted around plus 300, plus 350 to really move on it, and that's why I went in the other direction with the Seahawks. But, then I love that offense. And By the way, Patrick Sealy did have a question. Will the Raiders fire Josh McDaniels? I get the impression that, from what I've been hearing, McDaniels is safe for this season, probably safe going into the offseason. Mm -hmm. The sacrificial lamb is probably going to be the defensive coordinator, Graham. Raiders are 32nd in defensive DVOA. I think I think they're going to stay there after what happened yesterday, um, and that's going to be that's going to be the pawn that gets sacrificed as McDaniel's moves forward. Really, just a malaise that team is in right now, and, and I don't think we're talking much about the Raiders, and we probably shouldn't talk much about the Raiders, but it's shocking <laughs> to see just how like like disinterested they mm -hmm. look, and just how 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 almost looks like going through the motions. Uh, day in and day out. I'll be covering the Raiders in walkthrough, I believe, on Thursday this week. Look for a tank watch on that team. Yeah, and Derek Carr was visibly emotionally yes. in his press conference, was not happy. That that whole <sighs> <laughs> Oh my God. He, he was gonna start throwing punches around. It yeah. was it was it was remarkable. It was dad's not mad, but he's disappointed. Mm -hmm. And he might have had a scotch. Uh that's where <laughs> that's where Derek Carr was after that game. You could feel it. And, and, and he kept walking up towards, man, I'm going to rip all these guys. I'm going to rip all these guys for not putting out the passion and the effort in practice. They walk it back a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So he's 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 feeling it. This is his last year in, in Vegas. It's time for a mutual party. Yeah. Devontae Adams uh, not having a good time. Would have been nice to have him still in Green Bay. Maybe things would be going a little bit better. <laughs> uh, but one another note before we move on from the playoff props, because another thing currently – all four of the AFC East teams are in the playoff picture. If the season ended today, are in the playoffs. The Patriots are seventh. So I was looking. Actually, the Jets are plus twelve hundred to win the division. That's seven point seven percent implied win probability. Huh. Football Outsiders. We have the Jets with sixteen point seven percent chance to win that division. So more than double by our numbers. They're also plus one hundred to make the playoffs. Right at fifty fifty. We give them almost a seventy four percent chance to make the playoffs. So if you want to take a chance on the Jets, there's some good value there especially based on our numbers and our, our projections for the rest of the season. I like that. I wouldn't mind looking at like some all four teams from a division props. Mm -hmm. I don't have it lined up, but that would be interesting. It could happen with either, either of the Easts. 
Yep, and the Patriots are very close there. They're five and four just ahead of the Chargers uh, based on their strength of victory and they're ahead of Cincinnati as well. So going to be a fun one coming down to the wire. There's some good, good bets there. And speaking of bets, we'll move into tonight's Monday Night Football game. There's a lot of bets that I really liked for this one. Had a couple last week on the show and was looking a little bit more today. The first one is Devontae Smith is receiving yards over. It was at 52.5 at FanDuel, 49.5 at Bet Rivers Unibet. I don't think they're as available um, as uh, FanDuel is, so 52.5. Okay. He hasn't gone over 44 yards since week five against Arizona, right. but he had five-plus targets and three straight prior to last week when they really didn't have to throw the ball a ton. Washington, yeah. though, is dead last against wide receiver twos heading into week 10. Huh. And Devontae Smith had eight for 169 and a touchdown against them in week three. So I really like Devontae Smith to have a big game. And then on the Eagles side as well, Hurts, uh, Jalen Hurts over his passing yardage, 240 and a half at FanDuel, 238 and a half at Bet Rivers and Unibet. So the same books there, uh, but don't think they're as prevalent as FanDuel is. Washington's number two in rush DVOA heading into, into this weekend, but only 25th against the pass. Hmm. Hurts has gone over 238 only twice since week three, but they were the last two weeks. And that week three game against Washington, he threw for 340. So those are two on the Eagles side that I really like. I'm, I'm higher on the Devontae Smith than the Jalen Hurts, um, especially if they are able to get up pretty quick. And um, we, even though Washington's good against the run, we know Philly's been pretty good running the ball this year. So uh, the Devontae Smith, but both of those I really like on that side. Yeah, watch that Devontae number too and play it quickly if you're getting numbers in the 50s. I've seen 70.5 on one site here. Oh, wow. And, uh, Right, so that's that's all over the place. So shop around and get to what you like. Because I like him, I like him at around 60, 65. If we get to 70, mm-hmm. I would get nervous. But now that you mentioned it, okay, the commanders, uh, I guess their cornerback one is Benjamin St. Just right now, the mm-hmm. Canadian Richard Sherman, Benjamin St. Just. But with Jack, I don't know who their cornerback two is right now. I don't know who covers the, the CB2s for that team. Um, used to, I believe it was William Jackson for a while, but that, but they, they do not have, yes. Yeah. They do not have depth in that secondary to cover everybody. And you're right. I, I am worried. Well, as, a, as a sort of Eagles fan, I'm worried about that front four because I think they do a great job in Washington on the defensive line against the run. That secondary is exploitable. Yeah, yeah. Did you get the CB2? Yeah, it looks like uh, Kendall Fuller. It looks like they've got on their depth chart as the other cornerback. Kendall Fuller, yes. And then they have Richard Rashad Hoos. <laughs> Rashad Wild Goose. I think there's some Wild Goose on the shelf behind you. If you if you look up there, I, can, I think I see some I so. Wild Goose. So he must be he must be the Northern Canadian Richard Sherman, and Benjamin St. <laughs> Juice is the is the French Canadian Richard Sherman. Yeah, so expected a big game from those Eagles. Uh, got a couple, actually three ish, I guess, if you will, on the the Washington side. Taylor Heineke under 215 and a half passing yards at BetMGM. He's got games of 201, 279, and 149. Those were against um, Green Bay, Indianapolis, and Minnesota. Uh, none of, Green Bay ninth against the pass. The other only 16th and 19th, I uh, believe there. Philly's second in DVOA against the pass. Only Kyler Murray's thrown for over 205, and he hit 239. They've held five teams below 200 in Washington. Uh, back in, in week three was when it was Carson Wentz threw for only 153, which is the third mm-hmm. lowest total they've allowed. And the kind of piggybacking on that is over – half interception so for him to throw at least one Heineke's oh, thrown one interception in all three starts the Eagles only have one game without an interception interestingly it was against Washington with Wentz uh, but they've got eight over their last five games and 12 over for the season which is second most in the league so 
Heineke, not high on Heineke today. I think it, the, the passing yard's under, and he's going to throw at least one interception, I think. Yeah, that's uh, my book. It's at minus 210 for that over a half, which means they're trying to keep it away. But remember, some of those minus 210s, they make a good part of the portfolio. They say, okay, well, this is going to lay down a suppressing fire. I'll get some of the, the money back on this almost guaranteed if it goes the other way. By the way, the reason why Wentz didn't throw an interception is because he refused to throw the ball in that game. He just stood there and took sack after sack after yep. sack after sack. Heineke will get rid of the ball for better or for worse. I like the idea of him throwing a, throwing a pick. Yeah, and one of the things, too, especially uh, you mentioned minus 210. Uh, you, another thing you can do that I know some people like to do, live betting drives when Washington mm-hmm. get, you know, if you think he's going to throw a pick and Washington drives, you can live bet uh, the result of the drive and say he's going to throw an interception. Maybe you do that three times and it pays off big on one because you get much better odds when you're on a specific drive versus over the whole game. Yeah, he's most likely, you know, to throw an interception, especially against Philly. So that's somewhere if you're interested and, and want to take the chance you can try it, try and guess that and bet their first few drives and maybe it gets it and you get a good payoff there. Uh, the last one I had, it's kind of two because it's kind of tough. We're going back to the overs. Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson are both, uh, both their rushing yards are set at 33 and a half. Uh, Antonio Gibson's was at FanDuel. Uh, Brian Robinson's looks like right here was at BetMGM and DraftKings. So okay. Philly is allowing 142 and a half rush yards per game over the last four at 5.3 yards per carry. Only 27th in DVOA against the run. Now, their last the last two games for Washington, Brian Robinson seen 21 carries. Gibson seen 18. Uh, it was 41 and 28 over the last three because against Green Bay, uh, Robinson saw 20. Uh, Gibson saw 10. But Gibson's gone 35-plus in both games. He's seen double-digit touches in that span. Robinson's gone over 44 in both games. I think both of them could get there. I do think Robinson may get more opportunity. Seems like they, especially with J.D. McKissick out, uh, Antonio Gibson probably going to, Going to be more pass catching, but they will still give him some carries, I believe. And they're pretty even when it comes to their DVO, rushing DVOA this year. I think Robinson is slightly better at, I think it was like minus 10.2 versus minus 12.3. But Gibson did have 12 for 38 against Philly in week three. So doesn't need, neither one of them really needs a ton with those low right. numbers at 33 and a half and the way Philly struggled. I think they're fine letting Washington run the ball because yeah. they're like, we don't think they're going to be able to throw the ball on them. So they'll, They'll gladly, I think, sit back and let them let them run it a little bit on them. And the Eagles will get beaten up by power backs a little bit. And part of that is by design. It's like, yeah, run up the middle against us. We're going to win. But that would favor Robinson. I might lean Gibson on the other side of that, though, because of the third and 18 draw play situation. Yep. You know, when you're when you're just trying to get the 33 yards, it's like, well, this is a guy who's going to get a couple third and 15 carries before halftime with 22 seconds mm-hmm. left. You hand off to him and he gets the 12 yarder. That would usually be Gibson territory. So be a game time decision if I which one of those I play or maybe both. Yeah, just both. Gibson was the one I originally had. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I was looking, I was like, well, what's Brian Robinson? And he was at the same. That's one, too. We mentioned underdog at the top of the, the show with their um, their. Uh, the, the pick them where you do right. basically you're picking higher, lower prop betting. That's one where you could pick both of them can bet both of those in that parlay uh, along with uh, either Heineke passing. You can only pick one per player. And I don't know if they always have interceptions on there, but can right. go under on the passing yards can take Hertz, Devante Smith and both running backs. And you get five out of five. You win 20 times your money. If you do, you can do like a parlay insurance where if you get four of the five, uh, you get, I think, 10 times your money right. for doing the insurance, or it's like, but you still still win some money on there. So that's this is a game that I really like where I've got, uh, where we we get three or four or five bets that we think are pretty solid on there. So parlay them, go down a little insurance if you want, because it's hard to get five out of five, obviously. Um, so try and just hope get four out of the five and still get a good return on there. Again, for those of you watching, you can 
can get double your money on Underdog uh, up to a free $100 deposit match using promo code OUTSIDER. So this could be a good one to do tonight uh, with some, some good bets out there so far. Right. And also, so, if, if you like on during night games, live betting and doing goofy stuff, check out a Football Outsiders Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, usually on Monday nights, I'm not there very much. Thursday nights, you will find me there, and I will be betting like a degenerate, often on live lines. And you can come hang out, find out what I'm doing, find out what horrible mistakes I'm making, play along with us, and have a good time there. The, the link is right down there somewhere on the screen, I think, below us. Uh, and you can join the Football Outsiders Discord. It's free. It's like Twitter without the holes. And uh, yeah, and and you're talking to other football outsiders, readers and writers about more detailed NFL stuff. Yeah, and you'll be on there this Thursday night with the Titans and the Packers. So quick turnaround there for Green Bay. (laughs) Yes, the over under on punts, I'm already playing it. I don't know what it is. It could be 37 and a half. I'm playing the over (laughs) under on punts on Thursday night. Speaking of punts, did you see, I saw it on Good Morning Football this morning. They had a picture of uh, Thomas Morstead, who now punts for for Miami. Didn't have a single punt. There was a picture of him on the bench, so I guess kind of like sleeping. He's like, I promise I never sleep on the job. And like, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag my hashtag inactive because he didn't have to punt. They said he's punted twice over the last either two or three games. Like, again, Miami, that offense is just humming along right now. That's amazing. Ryan Stonehouse is the opposite of it. The Tennessee Titans punter leads league in punting average and is earning every penny right now for a team that doesn't really move the ball. Yeah, he's one of the big winners of the season this year. And and we'll look now at a smaller scale, look here, at our winners of the week. And I'll let you go first because you've got a, a guy I remember. I'll, maybe you'll bring it up, so I'll let you say. If not, I'm going to remind you. Matt Ryan, it's good to see him again. Welcome <laughs> back, old buddy. It, it's it's like after a divorce and you see your ex, it's like I'm actually happy to see you again. Like the pressure is off right now. All the weirdness of the last couple of years, the first couple of weeks, where you were out there taking sacks, Matt Ryan, it was it was tough to watch you. But then you got benched, and you got benched not for like a reasonable alternative, like you know the second round pick or something like that, but for Sam Ellinger, who was just a rando, who was just this runaround guy for the, the, the for the fourth quarters of preseason games. And it became clear when Ellinger got worse and worse mm-hmm. that Frank Reich, Frank Reich was trying to bring things to a head a little bit with Chris Ballard, with Ursay, there was some politics going on. Ryan was the better option for the team, no matter what, but he was being benched as a sort of a salvo in this. Mm-hmm. Ryan comes back. He didn't have a phenomenal game, but he played within the space, structure through a bunch of short passes against a very bad defense, got the win for Indianapolis, and got Jeff Saturday this win. I'm not giving Saturday any awards because he doesn't deserve this job. Okay. <laughs> Matt Ryan won that game by going out there and coaching the team from the huddle. And that's why Matt Ryan is my winner of the week. Absolutely. And that's, uh, remember, I think it was week two or week three, you said, Matt Ryan, he's, he's, he's done. He's, he's done. Like, yeah. not saying, you know, yeah. <laughs> you said he may have some good games, but as overall, he's not going to get them to the playoffs. So good to, glad you were able to give him winner of the week this yeah. week and not, not, not just give up on him completely. <laughs> right, right. He doesn't deserve to get benched in ignominy for the fact that the team was dysfunctional and they didn't put things around him. Absolutely. Play out the season retire, you have a wonderful job, live on a yacht, whatever you do, and you're Matt Ryan, and you have like $36 million still coming to you for, for not playing. Yep. Enjoy this. Don't, don't, be a, don't be a pawn in someone's very sad political game. 
Yeah, even had a nice 39-yard run on a scramble uh, that turned out two two more yards than his age, a 37-year-old with 39 <laughs> yards on a run. Oh, don't say it that way. Tom Brady's going to want to run for 47 right. yards. That's the only way he'll be able to get through that. But, yeah, I mean, if you called it a run, I mean, he was trucking up the sidelines. Mm-hmm. It was sad because he was out running defensive backs for the Raiders, actual safeties and cornerbacks were being outrun. Now, is Ryan faster than them? No. Were they really trying? No, that's the problem. And speaking of, of Brady going out there now, it was funny too. Seeing he tweeted, I think today the like the video or the picture of him where he slipped yeah. going up for the pass. He goes, "Lucky I slipped, or that would have been Randy for six. <laughs> he would have just mossed him." So, right, uh, right. <laughs> my winner of the week is kind of sticking with the homer. We talked about Christian Watson. The game didn't start off well for him. Had an early drop. Bringing back really bad memories from week one, that touchdown dropping its Minnesota on the first play wide open. We're all thinking the same thing. Watson's done. Rodgers isn't going back to him. But right. he said after the game that both LaFleur and Rodgers came to him and said, we're coming back to you. Like At this point in the season, I think they understand you have to, but, or else we've got no show. We're giving up on the yeah. season. We have to you know, let this guy. It's been 10 weeks. He's had injury problems. But he ended up leading the team with eight targets, caught four of them for 103 yards and 10 touchdowns. His first receiving touchdowns of his career – and they're just a fourth Packers rookie with a three-touchdown game. Uh, so it was a big day for him. Really, the reason that they were able to win that game, keep it in, was some of the big plays that he made. Again, had the drop, had one uh, there at the front corner of the end zone. It looked like he kind of maybe looked away from the ball, stopped, didn't think the ball was coming, and then last minute kind of went for it and missed it. But had a, a really good game. So it was really good to see that from, from Christian Watson. Hopefully get some more confidence for him and, and get that team going and Maybe they can run the table. We can all R-E-L-A-X for a while. And maybe we got something good coming. But, again, we're not on it. We're not not expecting them to make the playoffs like we talked earlier. But was good for him, the winner of the week. And then loser of the week, I'll, I'll just go right into this one for me, was New York. Uh, the replay safety yeah. officials that they just allude to as New York in the Sunday night football game mm-hmm. for the ejection of Dre Greenlaw late in the first half. I mean, you want penalties called correctly. You don't want key players, really any players but especially key players ejected unnecessarily. And we talked about it before we hopped on here. Like, I don't even know if that really should have been a penalty. The commentators, and they agreed, you know, they were okay with the penalty. I think Shanahan said the yeah. same thing. Like, I get it. But it was the thing where Herbert's getting pulled down from behind, gets hit from the side. Yeah. Greenlaw is coming in, can't adjust his body mid-tackle. Didn't even lower his helmet, used the crown of his helmet. They just kind of, you know, hit this part of the face, hit Herbert and got ejected and flagged and, so that was really bad, and it was – I don't think it was the officials on the field that did it either. From what I heard, if I remember correctly, they said it was New York that basically – Troy Vincent that made the the decision saying that, you know, he went in, it was to the helmet, forcible contact, whatever they say. But that was a really bad one. Uh, fortunately for San Francisco, they were still able to win the game. And fortunately, Herbert wasn't wasn't hurt on that. Like you said, it, it wasn't – didn't even end up having a concussion or winning the pro call, was able to come back. But – Really unnecessary uh, or un- unfortunate and, yeah, I guess, unnecessary ejection there uh, for a player you hate to see in a game. Yeah, and, you know, on the Discord and on Twitter, like the usual dramas circled this. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, again, this is a vicious hit. You, don't, you want to take it seriously, but people are like, you know, Justin Herbert should be taken to the hospital and left there for six weeks because that was clearly a concussion. And it's like, <laughs> we're not neurologists. We don't know these things. They did take him out of the game for a while. And, like, I have to trust – that that they were handling things somewhat responsibly. And then, well, that shouldn't be a penalty at all versus Greenlaw should be in prison and all these other <laughs> things. And it was just like all over the place. Now, 
as fans, everyone, we're the, the drama is part of the game and part of the excitement. And you do that. Mm-hmm. As a as a media member, I have to try to sort of like filter through it. New York, Troy Vincent needs to be above the drama, the storyline, the visceral response here. It has to do what's right right by the games, and particularly the players in, in this case. Okay, so again, the penalty. I think the penalty is warranted yeah. and justified there. The moment you make that uh, that ejection, it's it's kind of prescriptive against that individual player. All right? It's suggesting that you did something purposely dirty. Yeah. I really don't think Greenlaw did that. It was not, again, this is a guy falling into him at a weird angle where he's kind of taking his shot. This is a runner, not a quarterback. Yep. It is difficult. They need to stay their hand with those suspensions. I, I hate it in college, by the way. I absolutely despise it in college with targeting. But at the NFL, they need to stay that hand. That's what New York's there for, to be impartial, to be like to be above the fray. They need to be that way. Absolutely. And so hopefully we, we don't see a lot. I think they said it was only the eighth player ejected uh, in a game so far this season. One of them was uh, for something obvious, the Quay Walker one for Green Bay a couple yeah. weeks ago. Uh, yeah. But I think the rest have all been for on-field hits or um, I think they just hits. I don't know if anyone's been ejected for throwing a punch or anything this year. I don't remember. But not not many so far through almost 10 weeks. But uh, that's my loser of the week again. New York. <laughs> what what do you have? Is yours a NFL head coach? NFL head coach Josh McDaniels. And we're just seeing more and more of the Josh McDaniels that folks, older folks remember from Denver, mm-hmm. where that team, after a little bit of a hot start, could not win a game for the next season and a half that he was the head coach. And we're seeing that. And also we're just seeing a lot of nothing from Josh McDaniels. Like I don't see this innovative offense. Like even when everyone was healthy, when Adams and Renfro, and okay, Waller's always been hurt, but you've got Jacobs and all. You don't see this great, expansive offense that's really setting the world on fire. You're not hearing a bunch of fire and brimstone. You're not seeing all these things where it's like, I'm bringing the Patriots way in and they're going to play extra hard because they understand dedication and things like that. It's a very vanilla offense. It's a very vanilla defense. So you're seeing the effort be incredibly low. You're seeing Derek Carr get frustrated. And it's starting to wonder, what has Josh McDaniels brought to the table here? And I think what Josh McDaniels has brought to the table is that Mark Davis paid him. And he knows he's got job security there for a year or two because Davis is not, despite all the drama, not going to turn the tables on this decision in a year. And McDaniels is just taking advantage of that. And it's frustrating to see because that was a winnable game. They they played the Titans, the Saints, the Jaguars, and the Colts. Now, that's a murderer's row of horrendous <laughs> offenses. The Jaguars are good offense with the others. They only got two sacks in that time. Two wow. sacks on defense in that time. Three losses and a win. This is as bad mm-hmm. as a team can possibly be. And when you look at the front-line talent, it's inexcusable. So, loser of the week, Josh McDaniels. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, that makes them look even worse is kind of from a lot of people, not us, because I remember from the Almanac the way this chapter was written, but a lot of people kind of thought, did you write the Raiders one? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people last year think, oh, they make they made the playoffs, they're this good team, they should come back, they should be good again. They really weren't that good. I think you said they built it on, like, basically the sand foundation, not, COVID, not a COVID solid wins. foundation. COVID wins. They, they beat the Browns on, a, I think it was like a Tuesday afternoon game or something like that. Well, a COVID and, game, yeah. And there were like 17 COVID absences. And then they got the Colts when Carson Wentz came rushing back from his, I'm not vaccinated, but I'm here to to play on zero practice. And he laid one of his uh, signature dud games. Mm-hmm. And so you had a couple of those. There was the the game, the the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys with the wind that had like 11 mm-hmm. pass interference. Oh, yeah. Like that. It was just like some of these torturous penalties. 
And when you say a lot of people bought into it, the owner bought into it. The yeah. owner bought into that. And so when McDaniels, whatever McDaniels saw coming into this season, you know, Davis was like, oh, we're going to get Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. We're going to win this. And if you're Josh McDaniels, like, okay, I'll get Devontae Adams. Okay. I'll, 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 sure. Sure. Rich man. Sure. Whatever. Do that. Give me a check. Give me Devontae Adams. I'll do whatever. And, and now you're seeing the result of that. And it's not looking great because they gave up picks. Uh, they gave up a lot of resources basically for yeah. those two big players that they're not quite in the Rams situation. Uh, we're, speaking of if the Rams tank, like what are they tanking for? A better second round pick or whatever <laughs> right. their pick is. <laughs> a third round pick will be number 104. Yeah. Yeah, but they're not in a, they're not in that bad a situation, but they're not, I don't think, in a great situation either where they need a little bit more than what it's going to take through you know one pick in, in the first round. Right. I mean, they do have their first round pick, so maybe they go out there, they get that quarterback. They could release Derek Carr at the end of the season. He restructured his contract, but it's a rot from within, and, and everybody listening knows this. All the first round picks that are gone from the last couple of years, yep. all the guys who had the legal troubles. They just got rid of Josh, uh, not Josh Jacobs, he's playing well. Jonathan Abram, who was a really a try-hard safety, was the kind of guy I think a lot of teams would hold on to. And most of their second round picks are also gone or playing poorly. So it's rotted from within. You get a first round pick, you're bringing him in there. It's like, hey, it's you. It's Max Crosby. It's Colton Miller. It's Devontae. Yep. Go, go, go try to go try to do something. Yeah, you know, I guess there's worse face, but that's two years away from being a real contender. Yeah, not a lot to love there. And really almost no shot making the playoffs this year. They're so the Chiefs, you know, they're definitely not going to the division there. What do we have? Have them so they've got uh 0.9 chance to make the playoffs. So crazier yeah. things have happened, but <laughs> would yeah. not go go betting them to make the playoffs in any capacity. No, they're, they're at 0.9 and the Broncos are at 3.7. And who would have thought that entering this season mm-hmm. with that division where we all assumed hey, they could all just go 10 and 7 and like battle yeah. each other? It hasn't turned out that even close to that way. Yeah, the AFC East, like you said, AFC and NFC East are what we thought the AFC West would be with all those teams being being good, being close off, make, possibly making the playoffs, uh, being good teams. But really been an unfortunate season there for the Raiders, but can't say that we didn't necessarily see it coming. Probably didn't expect it this badly, right. but uh, didn't expect a ton of success, uh, even though they had some last year, kind of got lucky there at the end of the year. Yeah, if they were like four and four, three and five, be like, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, they're way down. Yeah. Way right now. yeah, so that will do it for today's show. Like I said, we've been back. We're gone a couple weeks. We'll be back next week. I think we'll be back every Monday until uh, the day after Christmas, with that being the Christmas holiday. I think we'll be off. Let everyone uh, spend time with family. Everyone else spend time with family. But we'll be back every week till then. So no more no more missing shows. So then before we do go today, don't forget, we mentioned a couple times, you get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. Again, they will match your deposit up to $100. You can get a free $100, and you can put it on that game tonight and that pick them and win you some money with our picks from uh, earlier in the show. Again, using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget about FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Sign up to get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, and articles, and you get an ad-free experience as well as the data today. So if you're wanting the data and don't have an FO Plus subscription, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. Go ahead, sign up right now. You can go ahead and get that active and get that data today. And last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord, as Mike mentioned, tonight for the Monday Night Football game, and then Thursday Night Football and Sunday as well. Be on there all day for every single game. Thanks for joining us, and Mike, thanks for joining me. Good to see you again this week yes. for the rest of the week. Absolutely. You too. And go birds tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>